Well, good morning. It is a, a, a great privilege to be here and I can say that because after the inconvenience of being isolated with COVID, uh, that was inconvenient. I did have the convenience of live stream, so if you are um, taking up the gift of live stream this morning, welcome to you. Um, and it is a convenience and it is a gift, but I would encourage you there's nothing quite like being here amongst God's people on a Sunday morning. So don't get too comfortable with live stream. Come and join us on a Sunday morning if you can. And if you can't, then enjoy the convenience of live stream. Well, Brent has been taking us through a journey over this last number of weeks as he introduced himself and Glenda to us and as we led into Easter and over the Easter weekend with thoughts and activities about what we are looking forward to in our journey through life, what we need to leave behind, the baggage that we need to leave at the foot of the cross. And today we're going to continue this theme of journeying as we took, take a look at a road trip that Jesus took with a few followers just after the resurrection. Some of you, if not all of you, might be familiar with the Cancer Council campaign um, that came out, the slip, slop, slap. Slip on a shirt, slop on the sunscreen, slap on a hat. And if you have been at all aware, over the years they've added to it with a few extras. Seek shade and slide on some sunnies. Hands up if you are aware of that particular slogan. Oh, not as many as I thought. Well, the Cancer Council needs to get their act together. Uh, well, if I was an advertising guru, my campaign slogan maybe for this morning might be search scripture, Seek his presence, share his story because that's how we see Jesus in this journey with him. So we're going to look at this uh, story, the journey along the Emmaus Road uh, that Jesus takes a walk with two rather bewildered followers and he explains God's word to them and their eyes are open to him in the daily things of life, in the walking and the talking and the eating. And he takes scripture to reveal himself. And in his presence, they grow in understanding of who he is. And they can't help but respond. They have to share that story. Well, there's something very reassuring about this story from Luke chapter 24. If you want to get that open, Luke chapter 24 from verse 13. There's something reassuring about the fact that just after he's resurrected, Jesus goes returns to something that's familiar, walking the roads, sharing who he is, showing who he is, pointing to God the Father. That's what he did. That was his ministry, walking the roads, sharing and preaching truth and pointing to God the Father. In John chapter 12, he says of himself, when a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Jesus is all about revealing God and sharing his presence. And it's a presence we share now through his spirit. So let's read from uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through to verse 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. 
As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things, then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were go- excuse me, going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened to them on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. Well, it raises a lot of questions. Why were these two leaving Jerusalem? Why did Jesus appear to them? Why did he remain unrecognisable? Why did he act as if he were going further? Why did he suddenly become recognisable? And why did he disappear? There's a lot of questions. And our journey with Jesus raises lots of questions. It's not always perfectly clear and understandable. There's always questions. We always have the why questions. But here is truth. Jesus is alive and he wants to share the journey. In the words of the old hymn, he walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. So this story is not really about the two confused companions. It's a story that's about God actively continuing to reveal himself and to encourage us. He is accessible. He is loving. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. He is alive and he wants to be seen and he wants to share the journey of life. He is a God who is with us and he is not just 
I love the fact that he's in, in his resurrection, Jesus doesn't suddenly become, get resurrected and then suddenly go back to appear to Pilate and the chief priests and like, hello, big mistake, folks. You know, he doesn't go to the VIPs of the time. He doesn't um, find himself back with his mother. He appears not to the VIPs but to the everyman, just like when he came in his birth in humble circumstances, we talk about that at Christmas, that even in the resurrection he comes just to the everyman, two companions, one of whom we don't even have the name for. It's not the VIPs, it's the everyday. And that he is the central figure of this story, not the companions but Jesus. It's Jesus who makes his appearance, who walks with them, Jesus who explains the scriptures about himself to them, Jesus who waits for their invitation and Jesus who opens their eyes. He is the central figure of this story. So let's go over it a little bit closer. Turn to verse 14. It says there, they're talking with each other about everything that had happened. Well, there was plenty to talk about. I mean, there's been a lot going on in Jerusalem during this time. The triumphal entry and the uh, city in uproar, the stories of what did and didn't happen. Can you imagine the rumour mill at work? Um, I was having a discussion with some people during the week about the way that the media portrays things. Can you imagine how this would have played out in media if it was this day and age with what we have in terms of media? And the rumours and the reports from this one and that one you can just imagine why these two companions say, like, we're, we're out of here. We're, we're just, it's too much turmoil. We don't understand what's going on. And so off they go. But the trouble is they take the turmoil with them because they still don't know what's going on. They are sort of really walking along in their ignorance, sort of baffling as they discuss these things with each other. But it raises for me the question, how much do we walk and talk with each other, talking about the things of God, even when we don't understand? Willing to show that we don't understand, willing to admit that we are ignorant or willing to be vulnerable with each other. Um, Instead of being caught up in the rumours of the world, of what might be and what could be and the claims and the counterclaims, but just journeying with each other and being willing to be vulnerable and show sometimes our ignorance with each other while we wait for God in our midst to bring us some understanding. So these companions, they're walking and talking and they have Jesus in their midst and he asks them about their discussion. He's just there, present with them, interested in them and he prompts for their response. And in verse 17, their response is that they stood still. Because to me this is just like a physical representation of where they are. They really are just stuck because they don't understand what's happening. They're not moving, they're not going anywhere at that point. They just stand still with their faces downcast. And I can tell you, I can see myself in this story. I'm sure that you all can. That there are times where we just find ourselves a bit stuck. And our face, you know, like you can just imagine the slump and the faces downcast, like, what? What's going on here? Psalm 45 has words for us 
that we can use at this time. Why so downcast, my soul? Put your hope in God, for I will praise him, my Saviour and my God. And then there's the irony of verse 18, where Cleopas asked Jesus, are you the only one to not know what's happened? Well, of course, in hindsight, and we know the story, Jesus is the only one who really does know what's happened. Um, so they're sort of saying, are you, are, you, are you dumb? Are you ignorant of what's been going on? And um, he ever so gently prompts his companions, what do you understand? What, what things? And then we get this half story that they know, that they can't quite fathom, that Jesus, who they recognised was a prophet, who was powerful, who had been crucified, their hopes of redeeming Israel that were gone, the stories of these women followers who had angelic visions and the other companions who found the tomb empty, um, they've just got half the story. They can't piece it all together. And I think that we can be quick to judge them. Like, can't they see, you know, like he said this and he said that. Why can't they see it? We're quick to judge them as we're quick to judge Peter for denying him or Thomas for doubting him. But I think, honestly, most of us would recognise that we are no different. And if we were in this situation, we would perhaps respond no differently and that we're no different now sometimes when we don't understand things. Well, in verse 25 and 26, he says to them, uh, you know, you foolish, you're slow to believe. I, I can't imagine that Jesus is very um, brutal in the way he says it. I'm imagining he's just a little bit of sense of exasperation like, ah, take a breath, you know, these, these, these foolish people who are slow to believe. But, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't say, you're just dumb, you're stupid, can't you see? He explains to them. He walks along the road with them and he explains to them. It says, verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. He points to scripture and scripture points us to Jesus. In his ministry uh, and in the New Testament, we have examples where Jesus is quoting Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Isaiah, Hosea, Malachi, Psalms. He talks about creation and corruption and faith and provision and healing and authority and obedience and probably, you know, a zillion other things because the Bible tells us we don't even have a record of all the things. But if we want understanding and guidance and reassurance, we have scripture. We have God's word, a word that comes alive to us by his spirit and it's useful. He tells us himself, it's useful to us to teach us, to rebuke us, to correct us, to train us in righteousness. Second Timothy tells us to train us in righteousness to, that we might be equipped for every good work and not just equipped but thoroughly equipped. Um, it was great that Brent was talking about Immerse being back in the coming week and I love the fact that um, 
you know, the Immerse program for children here has these names for the different age groups like Splash and Dive and it just to me it echoes this idea, immersing ourselves in scripture, splashing about in it, diving into it, not just a few happy little Bible verses now and again but we need to search scripture and immerse ourselves in it and on the road to Emmaus, God is revealed by the search of scripture And on our journey, God can be revealed to us. He is revealed to us through searching scripture. Well, as I was putting the sermon together, I thought, that sounds really nice, Kath. That's a lovely little alliterative phrase, search scripture, point one sermon. But, you know, I guess it's just words like, what does that mean for us in practical terms? And I thought, well, we could all likely do better at reading our Bible, prayerfully soaking in it, immersing ourselves in it to gain revelation. Reading it and hiding it in our heart as his word says to us that we might not sin. Reading it alone or with others and talking about it and discussing it and debating it, what it means. And reading it for answers about life, for instructions of how to live, instructions of what to avoid. Um, Instructions that give us a hope for what's ahead, for confidence in justice for inspiring us with joy and teaching us an understanding of love. It's part of what we do here on Sunday. This is part of what we're doing now is to search scripture to see God revealed. But we don't just search scripture to see God revealed. We seek him in the everyday. The first thing that jumped out at me when I looked at this passage was in fact verse 29 where they urged him strongly, stay with us, this phrase, stay with us. And what a request. They didn't even really see who they were asking. But God knew their response. And I wonder if that answers one of the questions that we have. Why, why did he act as if he were going farther? Maybe it was to get this heart response to see, are they genuine, do they really desire me? You know, that he'd been walking along explaining things, was it? You know, but now they're urging, stay with us. You know, we're starting to get some clarity. We, w- we want more of this. And they offer the invitation. And in fact, they, as I say, they urge him strongly. They were struggling in their understanding. They were disappointed in their hopes. But they desired Jesus. How often are we struggling in our understanding, disappointed in our hopes? but the desire is for Jesus, for more revelation. Are we offering that invitation? Stay with us, stay with me. Do we stay it with a strong urging? Our Tuesday Zoom small group's been looking at Psalms over the last a number of months and they're full of, the, the Psalms that we've been looking at are full of cries and pleas and urgings and there's there's such passion in the way that they're written. It's not just a polite little request, it's really calling out to the Lord sometimes in very difficult situations and they repeatedly turn to an acknowledgement of who God is and how he is and his character. It's a response to those those urgings. So Jesus here is walking with the travellers, he's talking with them, he's going about everyday things with them and in the midst of it he reveals himself through scripture and his presence. Well, trying to think about this concept of seeing and yet not seeing made me think of MDB. Can another hands up anybody who knows what I'm talking about, MDB? 
Wow. Okay, well, you're all going to be have a little revelation now. Well, this is a term that's used to describe an affliction. I think you'll get it as we go along. Uh, you might call it something else. Mostly, but not exclusively, affects males. Anecdotal evidence suggests it's most evident amongst married men. So, for the purposes of my explanation, Gerald might be searching for a particular shirt. And he might call out, aha, there's a few people are twigging now. He might call out from on the bedroom door, the wardrobe door, behind the wardrobe door, ah, oh, I can't find it, where is it? Da 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 da. Uh, you know, perhaps Grant is searching for his particular orange snazzy socks. Have you got them on today, Grant? No, okay. But in my home situation, my response might be, yeah, I know it's there because I've either just hung it there or I've just seen it there or I'm really confident that it's exactly where I'm telling him to be looking. There might be a back and forth, muffled cries from beyond uh, until I actually have to go physically into the bedroom, to the wardrobe and say, is this the one you're looking for right here in front of you? This is MDB, you know, and Rosalie might have to go into the cupboard and say, Grant, the socks are right there, bright orange ones. How can you miss them? On the left-hand side there. Okay, this is clearly male domestic blindness. (laughs) It's not seeing what is plainly obvious before them. And I wonder if we sometimes suffer from this spiritual MDB that God is there, God's at work, and we're looking, but we're just not seeing it. We don't need to just look, we need to seek and we need to search and we need to strive to see him sometimes in our everyday. And we gain perspective. When we're seeking him and searching for him in scripture and and seeking him to be with us, present with us, we gain perspective. Um, How many have ever done the Google map search, you know, the zoom out from the satellite view right down to where your house is or some other location? Um, You know, in life, as we said, not everything is clear and understandable. We have why questions. Sometimes life is messy. Sometimes we have a health issue or a relationship issue or whatever it might be and we sort of feel like our perspective and what we're being surrounded by, that we're walking along a pretty grungy sort of road at times. Sometimes we feel like we're just circling around a smelly old rubbish dump. But if we could zoom out from that perspective, from the street view as it were, and we zoom out further, we might get a very different perspective of where we are in the scheme of things and what lies ahead and the hope for the destination that is there. You know, when Brent was introducing himself, talking about his very, very strict um, holiday planning, I was smiling wryly, as was Gerald, just about digging me in the ribs like, yeah, I know another one like that. Um, We're planning a holiday. We're planning this trip through Central Australia up to Darwin for Jessica's wedding. And I have spent a lot of hours looking at the map, let me tell you. A lot of hours looking at the map and planning places that we might want to be, and, you know, isn't the internet an amazing resource of, you know, finding out information of what things look like and what the conditions might be? But I don't really know precisely how the journey is going to look. The bird's eye view of the map gives me this great hope of my destination and I have some ideas about things that might or might not happen along the way, but I don't know exactly what the conditions will be and the experiences. Some things I hope for, some things might be a surprise, some things I might miss 
if I don't have my eyes open to look for them. But this bird's eye view that we get because of God, because of him revealing himself, gives us perspective for our journey. And Jesus encourages us to see and to seek his presence in the everyday, in the walking, in the talking, in the eating. In verse 30, when these companions are at the table, in the process of eating a meal, the breaking of bread, Jesus is revealed. What? Why now? Why in the breaking of bread? Is it just the echoes of the Last Supper? Well, we know that we would normally recognise there's an intimacy of relationship when we share a meal. But for me, it's the continuation of the everyday, the walking, talking and eating, the part of regular life. That's where God needs to be revealed in the everyday, in the daily things of life. And how much are we urging him to stay with us? How much do we seek him in these daily things, in the walking, the talking, the eating, the working, the playing? You know, I had a comment here and I said, I don't want to be flippant, but he needs to be our Mars bar Jesus. Work, rest and play. You know, not just the spiritual add-on or the extra, but woven into all our conversation and all of our journey and all of our sharing together. And we need to recognise his presence. We need to be looking to have open eyes to his presence with us. And, and how is he being revealed to us? Are, you, are we asking and expecting that? Um, where, where are you seeing kindness or goodness or patience that are the hallmarks of Christ? Where are you finding your laughter and joy? What sort of things in the music and the arts and the books and the movies and the nature and the food, where is he present to you? And how are you seeing him revealed? And how might you go from today calling him to stay and seeking him in fresh ways in your daily living? Not the extraordinary big events, but the everyday daily living. Walking and talking with friends. Jesus in our midst, even when we don't see or don't fully understand, inviting him to stay, seeking his presence, seeking open eyes and seeking him together because it wasn't a lone thing. There were companions here seeking him and the strength to testify because the story didn't stop with revelation. It went on. Verse 32, they were our hearts burning within us when we journeyed on the road. It wasn't one traveller alone, it was the two. And then in verse 33, they got up and they got going. They couldn't help but share their experience. They didn't hoard it to themselves. And there was a cost. It was the end of the day. They'd said to Jesus, come in, you know, the day's coming to an end. They were tired, they'd travelled um, the seven miles or whatever, you know, on foot. It, they'd had a long, tiring journey. They were emotionally probably tired, mentally tired, physically tired, but they got up immediately and returned to Jerusalem. They were tired. There was possible danger travelling on the road at night into Jerusalem. It wasn't convenient for them. It was hard. It was dangerous. But they sought out the 11 because they had to share their experience and testify to the truth of Jesus' resurrection. When we're seeing Jesus revealed through scripture and when we see him revealed to us in the everyday moments of life, we need to share it. Share the story of how he's journeying with us. How God at the beginning, the one got born to be God with us, is with us still. He is alive 
and he walks with us and he talks with us along the way. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you that you long to share this journey with us, that from the very beginning you had have loved us, that you are loved to us. And we just thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to leave the Father in heaven to come to be upon earth, to be God with us here, that you were willing to go to the cross and to death in obedience for us. Lord, we thank you that you are a living word and we thank you for your written word which is such a gift to us and that your spirit is here to to guide us in an understanding of your word, to continue to reveal you to us. And Lord, we just want to respond by, by just committing ourselves to search your scripture, to seeking you in the everyday and to sharing your story more and more as we continue on our journey through life. And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.